Welcome to Womanity, Women in Unity. I would like to dedicate this program to the March sitting of the Permanent Committees of the Fifth Parliament of the Pan-African Parliament, which takes place from the 27th of February to the 7th of March 2020 at the Gallagher Estate, Midrand, South Africa. These sittings will be held under the African Union's theme for 2020, silencing the guns, creating conducive conditions for Africa's development. The sittings will also take place in the context of the chairship of the African Union by South Africa. Following the recently concluded 33rd Ordinary Session of the Assembly of Heads of State and Government of the African Union. The Pan-African Parliament has 11 permanent committees whose functions are aligned to those of the African Union departments. Unfortunately, women who comprise more than 50% of the population on the continent and are the biggest driving force for growth and development still find themselves, for whatever reason, relegated to the Committee on Gender, Family, Youth and People with Disability. So for those reasons, I would like to dedicate this week's program and to say women on the continent have risen. They have risen to be presidents, cabinet ministers, deputy ministers, heads of SADC, United Nations, ambassadors, chairpersons of portfolio committees in parliament, vice chancellors, professors, deans, doctors, musicians, actresses, judge presidents, and other key influencers in Africa. It is about time that they receive their respect accordingly and have their own dedicated committee. The following radio program is about two female pilots who broke every glass ceiling possible, Captain Jane Trembeth and First Officer Annabel Fundler. They have flown Boeing 747s. They have been part of the only all-female crewed flight from Johannesburg to New York, and one of them, First Officer Annabel Wundler, was Nelson Mandela's personal pilot. And through her, we echo his words and his belief regarding the vital role that women play in the continent. Hello, I'm Dr. Amalia Ghanius-Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Women in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us in studio today are Senior Captain Jane Trimber and First Officer Annabel Wundler from South African Airways. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank, Thank you. you. Starting with Captain Trimbeth. You have had an outstanding career as a pilot, beginning in 1985 with Namib Air, and in 1988 you joined South African Airways and have climbed the professional ladder for the last 26 years. During your career, you have broken numerous glass ceilings, and by doing so, you've paved the way for other women to follow in your footsteps. And I'll just share with the listeners a few of your career highlights. In 1993, you were the first woman pilot in South Africa to qualify on the Boeing 747-400. 2001, commander of first large airline or female crew in South Africa. 2007, first woman pilot in South Africa to command wide-body international flights. 
And to highlight some of your honors and awards, in 2013, you received South Africa's Most Influential Woman in Business and Government Lifetime Award. In 2007, received Outstanding Achievement in the Field of Aviation from the Benoni Chamber of Commerce and Industry in South Africa. Can you please share with us a few of the landmarks in your career and what has impacted on you the most? I'd say the first landmark, uh, 1988, when I joined South African Airways was as the, one of the first female pilots, and that was pretty much a landmark in starting off because it was something new for South African Airways. Obviously, for me, it's just your experiences being part of your reality. It's, it was just something that I... I was taking my stride, but I think that was pretty much a landmark in terms of the airline's history. And when you joined, when we were having our conversation offline, I think you mentioned there were only three women that joined at the same time in 1988. That's correct. And uh, they're not with us anymore. They've both retired from the airline. And there was the first three of us for a couple of years, and women trickled in slowly over the years. And then since 94, when SAA started their cadet program, then there's been a lot more. And we're up to 72 women now out of about 770 men. So it's quite a good percentage. And going through your progression, going through the ranks, could you just elaborate on some of those steps? Because I'm sure some of them must have been fairly significant landmarks. Well, I started as what they call, even though I'm a girl, they still called me a boy pilot. When you join the airline, you start off as a third pilot, an in-flight relief first officer. They call you on the Boeing 747, or these days it's the Airbus 340, and that's an assistant pilot for the long-range flights. And then I became a first officer on Boeing 737s and moved up to senior first officer on the Boeing 747-400. That's one of the other landmarks that you mentioned. And then I went on to a completely all-male fleet. And that was uh, possibly a step that was my most difficult because I don't think they really knew what to do with women, the pants who were on the fleet. They were all very senior people, and now maybe they couldn't tell the same type of jokes in the flight tech anymore. So I, I felt that that was my ch- most challenging time in the airline, being on that long-range fleet, and I was the only woman there for all the time I was on it. And when you talk about the long-range fleet, what are the distances or what destinations were you travelling to? Well, those uh, long range is, is intercontinental at the 747-400, when I flew that, then I flew to London and New York and Miami. And that's the 747 Classic Jumbo that flew to the other long-range destinations. Then I became a captain on the Boeing 737 in 2001, and it was very soon after that that it was just coincidentally that I landed up doing this flight as the captain of the first all-female crew on Boeing, so within South Africa. And that was significant for me because I felt I'd really made a statement for women. It was something which even months later I had uh, women clerks in the airline saying, oh, Captain, I recognize you. And they said, I was so proud to be a woman that day. And and that made me feel good that it's, it's something that I did for everybody, you know, all the women in South Africa who saw it in the papers and and the woman in, in the airline, and it was not only me, though, it was a whole crew, and so it was something that for all of us who could make the statement 
for women in aviation. I think that's a very special moment and having that collective impact on yeah. women in aviation. Yes, no, that, that was my most special moment in my career. And then in 2007, I moved on to the uh, wide body fleet, the Airbus 340. And then I was the, uh, the first woman to go on to that as a captain and to command long range flights. And that's also, it's, it's a, a wonderful, it's lovely to travel. I enjoy it very much. Now, turning to you, First Officer Wundo, you joined the Air Force in 1999 Mm -hmm. and you built your career there for 11 years before shifting over from the military into the commercial world and taking on the position of First Officer at South African Airlines. During your career, you've flown heads of state and had the privilege of flying one of our greatest icons, Nelson Mandela. And Madiba once said, Freedom cannot be achieved unless the women have been emancipated from all forms of oppression. All of us take this on board and that the objectives of the reconstruction and development program will not have been fully realized unless we see in visible practical terms that the conditions of women in our country have radically changed for the better and that they have been empowered to intervene in all aspects of life as equals with any other member of society. And based on your profile, I see you as becoming living proof of this statement. How do you see the realization of his vision? You know, um, it definitely is coming into play. Um, I mean, I joined, as you said, in 99. And when I joined, I was the only black woman that was flying in the Air Force. And um, it was it was quite... Quite an experience for me because, you know, coming from Mafikeng, where I went to a multiracial school and, um, you know, I have all my friends were of different races. It was not really uh, an issue for me. But going into the military, it kind of opened me up and uh, it definitely opened me up to, to racism because you definitely do experience that. And I must say, since that... It has been wonderful because we um, we went into these road shows and we started up road shows where we went and we went to these rural rural schools where we went to these kids that had never ever didn't even know about the Air Force didn't even know Air Force existed never seen an aeroplane you know and we started speaking to them about it and uh, showing them that you know it is visible that there is somebody who is in aviation and the person is a woman and the person is black and it really exposed these kids to aviation and a lot of them now are flying which is wonderful so definitely Mr. Mandela's uh, statement there definitely did impact a lot of our lives and including mine. But it sounds as though you've also had that privilege of being able to impact on other young people's lives and I think that must be fairly rewarding. Yeah it is definitely rewarding Um, you know I was born in the 80s, so I'm much younger, a little younger than Shane. <laughs> so when she tells me she joined in 88, I was like, geez, I was like, oh, how old was I then? <laughs> um, it definitely does impact. And you know, the thing is, I think the biggest thing that attracts kids to you is that you're a woman. And a lot of them have seen their mothers and their sisters being Nurses, or not, there's nothing, not that there's anything Maybe wrong the with traditional that. Career but the traditional path. career, you're a teacher or you're a preschool teacher or whatever. And when they see you in this commanding career, they are very, very intrigued. And it's, 
it it really it's due to our past our predecessors that did so much for this country that's why I, I I'm so thankful to God that I'm here today and what would you say has been the biggest impact on your career to date um, I think it's it's the people that I've met um, as time has gone by. I, I, the biggest person um, that has impacted my life, basically, I must say, was Mr. Mandela. Because um, I knew a little bit about him, and he came out of jail when I was pretty young. So I didn't know too much, but I knew he fought for freedom. and, and, and. But when I got to meet him, it was very interesting because um, he asked me so many questions about myself and how old I was, firstly, because he was like, how old are you? And you're getting in the front seat over there. So <laughs> um, it was just, you know, he after we had our chat and we talked, he said, you know, this is what we fought for. And he and, and I said, OK, explain that to me. This is what we fought for. And he talked about Robben Island and he talked about you know, what they went through, like the Rivonia trial and all of that. And and I sat there like gawking at him and I was like, geez, my God, you've been through so much, you know. And it was, that was really, that really impacted me. And I felt like, you know, me being in this position is, is really a godsend to other people, even if they just see it. I don't even have to go there and talk and just seeing me in my uniform, just making an entrance or an appearance somewhere. And it'll impact the little kid in the street that says, hey, you know what, maybe, maybe I could, you know. So that definitely, that definitely was one highlight in my career, in my life. I think that's a fantastic highlight. (laughs) (laughs) Today we're talking to Captain Jane Tremberth and First Officer Annabel Wundler from South African Airways. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Now, continuing with our discussion where we were talking to First Officer Wundler before and she had mentioned the fact that she flew Mr. Nelson Mandela. First Officer Wundler, can you tell us how often you flew the president? Oh, um, I flew for five years. So mm-hmm. you were responsible for all of his, his travel, his flights during that period? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he had to stop flying um, just... 2009, 2010, he had to stop flying because he was getting a bit too old um, for it, so and he had to climb the stairs, so he had to stop stop travelling. So we did also his last flight where he was bound to South Africa. Mm-hmm. Well, that was an incredible responsibility to have yeah, as a pilot. Yeah, but you also had him looking over his shoulder all the time and wondering what, if he's pressing the proper button over there. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, he would always remind me that I'm the same age as his grandchildren, so I better know what I'm doing there. So, But um, <laughs> apart from that, <laughs> apart from that, um, it was, you know, I trained in a very good organization. Mm. It was... Um, Wonderful training in the military and, you know, good experience and uh, professional. So, you know, he had nothing to worry about. And I think after five years, I think he was pretty comfortable. So, <laughs> yeah, Nothing like being supervised by the president. <laughs> yeah. Both of you as pilots have flown across Africa, America, Europe, basically all around the world. And you hold highest positions, and consequently, everyone expects you to make the right decisions at all times, especially with the responsibility of people's lives in the air. While you make every effort to succeed, competing as equals in the aviation world, where a lot of the high positions, quite frankly, are held by men, to a certain extent, you are still judged by others by your gender. What is your intake on this, and is there a fine line between how men and women pilots are perceived? 
women probably are perceived differently, but for us, when we're actually operating the aircraft, you can't afford to think about that. You have to actually just go out and do the best job. I, when you were reading your question, I felt that women actually place so much pressure on themselves to be perfect. They think they're in a man's world. They've got to perform twice as good as any man to be accepted, and that's absolute rubbish. You know, women make, put so much pressure on themselves, and you land up making mistakes and feeling bad about it. So as long as we do the job, that's all that women have to do, and that's the attitude. It's something internal that you, you have to come to a realization for yourself that all we have to do is just do the job and the perceptions are different. It's actually quite interesting from when I was a captain on the domestic, then I was very comfortable in my role and everybody knew exactly who I was. And when I went onto the long range and going to international destinations, then I found that all of a sudden I was seen differently as a woman. For example, people like ground staff and ground engineers I'd get on the aircraft together with one of my co-pilots and I'd be wearing my four bars and he'd have two bars and they'd all go and address him as if he was the captain. And I'd have to say, <clears throat> excuse me, but you can address that to me. Thank you very much. And I found that in a number of countries. So that was quite a shock to me. So there was an automatic assumption. Mm. Yes. And I was very shocked that I was getting it in places like France because you just assume that their whole... You know, women are equal there, but it was very interesting, and I had to change my whole style of leadership in that way, which it's an imposition. You feel, oh, now I've got to think of how I'm going to present myself as a leader, but it had to be done. And from your experiences? Um, you know, well, being at SAA, I've not experienced that too much. But when I was in the military, I did experience quite a bit of that because um, I flew Falcon 50s for a couple of years and I was a captain on the aircraft. And we, would, we flew like we flew into Saudi Arabia, we flew into Sudan, which are Muslim countries. And um, That's another challenge in definitely. terms of religion. It's yeah. beyond uh, gender. It expands. Well, I think oh, it's exponential. Definitely. Mm. And... You know, you're the captain of the aircraft, but uh, the guys refuse to speak to you. And, um, you know, on so many occasions, they wouldn't even speak to me. But, you know, as I'd said earlier, um, a lot of things, a lot of battles that I choose not to fight. And that one, I chose not to fight it because, um, you know, I'm flying with a, with a co-pilot who's a man. And so if they want to address him, they can address him. I, I could care less as long as we do what we need to do. And when we get into the cockpit, we're professional. Uh, that didn't bother me. But it was so interesting to see that, you know, you're not allowed to walk through the same door. You're not allowed to. I mean, when I landed in Saudi Arabia, I had to put on a burqa. And uh, this guy is talking to me. And I'm through this. And it's hot. It's like 45 degrees. And I'm wearing this black burqa on top of my uniform. And I'm flying with. <laughs> and they're not even talking to me. And so, <laughs> so it's interesting stuff like that. So you definitely are perceived different because, you know, you're a woman. But I guess that's just, it's just growing pains and you just get over it and you move on. I think you've got a very adept way at being able to sensitize to the situation that you're in and and balance yeah. and negotiate on what you can do and, and leaving some of those battles that perhaps don't need you to fight. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not, I'm not saying that... Um, certain things I don't take on, I definitely do because I think I'm I'm a little bit confrontational and if if there is something that 
has been said or whatever. And I feel like, you know what, this I'd like to address it. And I would. I would come straight to you and I'd address it. And and then it's squashed and that's the, that. And then it's over. That's me. Me getting, that's how I deal with certain things. But then there are other things that I just think, you know, well, that's, that's this guy's problem. That's not my problem. And uh, once I get in my car and I'm gone home and that's the end of that. So life goes on after that, eh? <laughs> so that's just it, eh? But I think that's a really important learning, looking at what battles to fight and what to leave to somebody else. And the point that you'd mentioned, Jane, on France, that brings me up to my next question on equality. There's a, a system called the Interparliamentary Union, and what they do is they rank according to the level of female representation in government across the world. And South Africa is currently ranked 10th position in terms of female representation. We have Rwanda and Senegal, African countries, who are ranked first and sixth positions respectively. But when we turn to so-called leading countries, France, for instance, has got only ranked at 48th, the UK 65th, the USA only 85th, it makes you wonder and almost ask, like, how can such a low representation of women be allowed in first world countries um, within a government level? Now, both of you have broken barriers as women pilots with where you are today. What is your point of view on this matter? I can't speak for what government does. I can only look at how we're doing in South Africa in terms of female representation in aviation. And surprisingly, we're doing fantastically. Our percentage of women pilots in SAA is 9%. France, it's about 5%. That is the international average. So we're still seeing... Leading countries, developed worlds, mm. where women are being underrepresented. So yeah. it doesn't matter what industry it is, whether it's government or whether it's aviation. You've, you know. Yeah, look, you'll never get 50% of women as pilots because a lot of women are not interested in the job. You know, some women do just, they want to have just a family life. They don't want to be away at nights or over weekends or holidays. You know, mm. We have to spend every second Christmas working. And for a lot of women, that's a choice that they just don't want to make. And it's also, it's a technical field. So, you know, for the for us, we think, oh, goody, I've got to study electrics for my <laughs> for my next uh, raising. And I yeah. think, wow. Uh, but a lot of women are not going to be interested. Yeah. So in some countries, it's a little bit higher. Uh, surprisingly, India is higher than us. They have 11% of women. But you're not going to get it really much higher in terms of the, the interest in the career. But we are doing very well in terms of international standards of women in aviation. Well, they're so double, if you talk about Yes, we are France just about and, double. Uh, and international yeah. standards being yeah. at 5%. Although South Africa, certainly South African Airways, has had the cadet program, which has brought a lot more women in. You know, then the percentage of women, they aim for 50% women cadets. And, and that does boost our numbers. And also the more women you get into the airline, the more normal the whole thing becomes. Mm which is better for us. And I must say, it's also quite fun to fly with a girl yeah. co-pilots. <laughs> it's just a whole different tone on things, and yeah. we actually enjoy it very much when we fly with each other. Well, especially on the long haul, you spend a significant amount of time with each other. Yeah. Yes, there's far fewer women flying on the long haul at this stage. I did a flight in December where I had two female co-pilots on the flight deck because on the long haul we usually have two co-pilots and a captain because of the length of the flight. And so I had an all-female flight deck crew, and it 
was quite an awesome flight. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine what you guys were talking about. (laughs) (laughs) We were actually just doing the job. Wow. When we got to we got to Frankfurt and the the weather was it was extremely foggy. We had to do a full automatic landing and then taxi a very circuitous route because of the poor weather conditions. We had to do a low visibility taxi and we just worked as a team. But if I'd had male co-pilots, uh, it would have probably been the same. But it was actually an extremely comfortable working environment having two other girls with me, and I really enjoyed it. So everything, the flight still had its challenges, and we dealt with it as a team. But it was it was great for me as a leader to have these girls with me who backed me up and supported me, gave me the information I needed. And from your point of view... Well, I'm I'm pretty surprised that you know all these first world countries have uh, such lacking, uh, you know, such lacking data in women, you know, in such in positions like this. So, I'm very surprised. But you know, I, as as Jane says, I can't really speak about what happens in their country. I just know that there's definitely a drive for that now, and uh, lucky the government also tries to enforce that. So definitely you see in in South African Airways and in the Air Force where I've come from, there are a lot more women doing it because... Did you feel in the Air Force that there was a drive to to help you to try to increase their numbers of female representation? Um, You know, it wasn't necessarily to help me. It was to help... Their representation. Yes, so um, it, it, it de- there definitely was a drive. And there was at a stage where South African Airways and the Air Force had this uh, Siandiza Volindela project where we were going to the different schools and, and all of that. And so I must say quite a lot of kids have come from that. So, you know, I do understand why, SA, why uh, South Africa is number 10. Mm. Now, both of you have come through from South African Airways. And it seems as though South African Airways has a, a more proactive approach to enabling female employees, such as yourselves, to drive female leadership further. Do you think that working in an environment that is conducive to women has aided your career development? Well, I think that the policies are not specifically targeted towards women in South African Airways. It's more of if you want to get into a leadership position, then you can make that your your goal from my part because I've had because when I was at SAA um, I had a baby so for me it was SAA definitely has helped in that aspect because you know they have made it a lot more comfortable for for the female pilots because you are now allowed to um, to go on a maternity leave for up to nine months so you know, it gives you that chance to to bond with your child and and then come back to work and then function. That's a considerable benefit. Yeah. Because I think the average in South Africa is four th- months, three four, four months, three four months. Yeah. yeah. So well, you don't get full pay for all of it, but you know, it's it's a, it's you know. You, but you're not blocked out of returning you, exactly. to your your vacation. Exactly. So it definitely, I feel that SAA is a very it's a lovely place to work for. Um, up-and-coming women if you want to get into management. I'm not sure about the management part, but just line pilots, it's it's pretty good. So being in an environment which is more woman-friendly mm-hmm. has helped fulfill yeah. your careers and also your personal life mm-hmm. to accommodate yeah. those needs. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back after this. 
Hi, my name is Yvonne Chaka Chaka, an ambassador for the Nelson Mandela Children's Hospital. You are listening to Womanity, Women in Unity, a program against racism, socio-economic class division, and gender-based violence. Womanity, Women in Unity, presented by Dr. Amalia Malka every week on this day at this time. You're listening to Humanity, Women in Unity on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance on frequency 9625 kHz on the 31-meter band. If you've just joined us, we're talking to Captain Jane Tremberth and First Officer Annabel Wundler from South African Airways. Now, ladies, a couple of weeks ago, we celebrated Women's Month in South Africa. And it covered the years that women have struggled, reflecting on the progress that women have achieved. Our history defines our present, but our actions in the present direct our future. In your opinion, which areas do you think we need to build on the most to benefit women in the future? I would say, me personally, um, a woman's self-esteem and confidence. That is the biggest thing you need to develop because, you know, just how we taught, especially from black, for, as a black African woman, um, you know, you taught to, you have to be submissive, you have to respect. I'm not saying okay, respect is not a bad thing, but you know, you can't talk back, you can't, and so you grow up constantly. You know, it's it's like you you have to be submissive in every single thing you do, and you can't speak out. And I think just it would be nice to see the change in confidence, self-esteem, um, enthusiasm, um, knowing that you can rise above, you know, the best. And I would love to see that, especially from these young black children in the townships and in the location. That's definitely one thing that women need to that aspect, that area. It's very focus challenging on. from a cultural point of view mm-hmm. to discard cultural aspects. Yeah. And still come through into... Well, it's not really discarding. I mean, because, you know, I mean, I would meet senior people in government. And I wouldn't be like, hey, yo, brah, how's it going? I'd still, you know, I'd still compose myself. I'll still be respectful. But there is also that line. There's a thin line between, you know, you can't cross it and be, um, you know, they're not your friends. But it doesn't mean that I will allow them to oppress me. I would not allow them to... Um, you know, to disrespect me. So that that confidence is where I think is seriously lacking in 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 younger children. That f- especially poor communities, because you just you don't have. And if you don't have, if you don't have food in your stomach, how are you going to be confident to become a pilot? So you know, it's it's with with that. It's just also looking at you know the socioeconomic environment that we're living in. So all of that is is connected. And I think once that gets a move on, then the confidence and the self-esteem in the young girls and boys will definitely develop. I think that's a very important point. Mm. And from your perspective? What Annabelle said about confidence, self-esteem, that is my sentiments exactly. I believe that women land up not rising as high as they could because they reach a point where they, they lose the confidence to progress further or they allow setbacks to to actually push them out of of the environment that they that they've chosen to enter. You know, women can have their spirits crushed easily, they don't say anything about it and they leave. So that's part of the problem as well, uh, tied to the, the confidence. That's something that I've had to overcome. 
in in getting moving ahead. But how do you teach people self confidence? It's something also you can't go out there and teach young girls because they only see the job that they want to do, and it's only when you become older that you start looking inwards. I'd say really from the age of 30 onwards, that's when people start looking inwards. And the older you get, you start thinking, right, if this is working, if this is not working, then how do I fix it? How do I progress? But it's a mindset that has to be taught to young girls, that they have to take responsibility for their lives themselves. And they have to work out the solutions. If there's a problem, then they have to start looking for that solution. How are they going to deal with this? How are they going to progress? Because nobody can do it for you. You have to find those answers yourself, and, and that's something that's born out of your confidence and your self-esteem. And as Annabelle says exactly, yeah, having self-respect so you don't allow people to disrespect you because allowing people to disrespect you just comes from your own lack of self-respect. And there's obviously easier ways to do it. We don't get taught how to communicate that respect and learning the skills of communication we don't teach our young girls. If we can teach them the skills of communicating powerfully, assertion, that's something which would benefit all young girls greatly. Yes, it would be great if we could give our experiences back to them so that they don't have to walk the roads that we've walked. Captain Tremberth, you wrote something in your resume that I'd like to share with our listeners, and I quote, as a lady pilot, I have had many awesome moments, but breaking new ground also means throwing up rocks and tripping over a few. I had to learn for myself how to find my place and how to lead as a woman in a man's world and how to overcome the challenges and mistakes I made while negotiating the path. And it has relevance for all of us in our changing world. I think that's a really powerful statement. And I'd really like if you could expand on a bit more in terms of your phrase when you said how to lead as a woman in a man's world, if you could give us some insight into that. The challenge I had for leading, I didn't have any female mentors, uh, no role models. And getting into the position, you think, oh, I've seen the guys do it this way, then that must be the way to do it. And I very quickly found out that it didn't work. And Annabelle was also talking earlier about being submissive. You think, well, if I'm nice, or then that doesn't work. You become a doormat. If I'm commanding, then that will work, but it doesn't. So I had to then find my own confidence. I, I call it really a sense of personal power, you know, self-confidence, that the only way I could lead was actually by being myself. You lead others by learning how to lead yourself. And that was the lesson I had to learn. I think that's really important on understanding and learning about yourself and using the strength and the inherent knowledge within to be able to lead from that. I found that I had to, to get to know who I was because it's only then that you can access your own inner wisdom. And using that wisdom to understand the consequences of your actions and you know the situation you land up in, what, what are the consequences of what I have done? How did it land me up in here? And then using that knowledge to think, how am I going to do it better the next time? Because that's a question which I constantly ask myself. Every time I don't handle something as well as I would have liked, I ask, how am I going to handle it next time? 
and automatically thinking about it, getting the answer, just any answer of a different way to try it, that gives you my sense of confidence back and I can continue. Otherwise, you land up losing your own confidence in yourself as a leader. And based on your wisdoms and hindsight, which is 2020 vision as we get older, (laughs) what would be your advice to young girls that you've inspired that want to follow in your footsteps and enter into the aviation world? I'd like to tell them that aviation is not just about flying. Aviation is this personal journey as well, and your relationship with yourself and with other people is just as important. Uh, Soft skills, they call them, are just as important as your technical skills because leadership It's not about flying the airplane. I know how to fly an airplane already. And now it is about leading a team of people, especially when things go wrong. That's when you have to pull out all the stops. That's when you actually bring your skills into play. And for for young girls, they have to know that it's not just about the challenges of how to fly that aircraft, how to pass your tests, how to find a job. It's about developing yourself as a person and about how you express yourself as well, expressing yourself with confidence. And that's what's going to enable you actually to make progress in life. And in closing the discussion, you've shared your amazing career so far (coughs) and the experiences that you've had. As a woman pilot who began her career in the Air Force, was also married to an Air Force pilot and mother to a two-year-old son, can you please use this platform to send a message of hope to all those women in Africa that due to circumstances, gender equality might not be first on their agenda, but rather the daily struggle of taking care of their families, raising children, and putting food on the table is a more pressurizing reality. Um, You know, I grew up with, with very strict parents, and throughout my life it's been about discipline. And <clears throat> and I think, you know, if you have this discipline, if you instill discipline in in your lifestyle, it's... It, nothing is impossible, um, and I just something as simple as you know you've got to study, and it's just also time management. You know, it's not impossible. It's not easy to to because I'm also at university. It's not easy to be studying and sorting out family life, and then at SAA you've also got books and reading and studying, and then you fly, and then you come back, and it's family, and then it's not easy, but. I love my career. I love what I do. I enjoy my job so much. And the passion's there. And so if you have this passion and you have the discipline and there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing impossible. You know, there's so many people always say, oh, you know, you've got to believe in yourself and you've got to, you really have to. Because if you don't believe in yourself, who else is going to believe in you? So if you, if you don't have the perseverance and the endurance to fight for what you want, then just throw in the towel and go chill at home because you're wasting your time. So it's, it's, it's really just that. I think those are very important words, particularly in terms of discipline, leading a disciplined lifestyle to be mm. able to incorporate everything that you want to achieve. Mm. Well, thank you both very much for coming into studio today. It's been a pleasure to have you, thank to you. share your stories thank within you. the aviation world. Thanks for inviting us. You have been listening to Humanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance on frequency 9625 kHz on the 31 meter band. And we have been talking to Captain Jane Tremberth and First Officer Annabel Wundler from South African Airways.